Hi friends, this is Fun Therapy, a podcast that gathers imperfect people together. People like you and I. And we can talk honestly and sometimes with a few tears about the things that make us who we are. And together we're going to grab tightly to this simple idea that our wounds are the openings into the most beautiful parts of us, that our not-so-perfect stories really do matter, and that within the vast fields of our broken dreams and deepest pain, something beautiful will grow. That in the valleys, a new strength is harvested, and though what was planted may have been painful, we believe around here that it can grow into something good something true, something sacred, something truly wonderful. My name is Mike Foster, and this is Fun Therapy. Well, friends, it is good to be back, and I hope you're excited about season two of Fun Therapy. I know I am. I would love to ask you a favor as we get started for season two. If you would just, if you don't mind, take 60 seconds, maybe 65 seconds and just leave a short review uh, about why you like fun therapy or maybe something that you've learned or uh, maybe something that struck a chord with you. I know that the Apple algorithms, those mysterious Apple algorithms love uh, reviews and ratings and they really helps them kind of understand what podcast a platform and to uh, promote. And so I'd love for you to, if you're enjoying this, to just take a, again, 60 seconds, maybe 65, and uh, rate and review Fun Therapy. Also, I want to tell you about uh, my workshop, Rescue Academy. Coming up, we actually had several people, actually not several, quite a few people in our last workshop who found... uh, found us through this podcast. And so if you've been interested in helping people and coach people and counsel people in an effective yet efficient way, I would love to spend two days with you here in San Diego. Uh, It's you and I and a small group of others connecting to our own hearts so we can actually empathize with other hearts. If you're interested in getting this training and spending some time together and having dinner together on that first night and just really meeting some wonderful people, rescueacademy.com. By the way, I've also added a marriage counseling session to the workshop and we keep it as interactive and fun as possible. And you'll leave with a bucket full of confidence and some practical tools to counsel others. In this fun therapy session, my friend Rebecca Lyons joins me. She's a highly sought after speaker and the author of two books, Free Fall to Fly and You Are Free. In her writing, she shares about her personal battles with anxiety and depression and how all of us can find meaning in our lives. Rebecca is the co-founder of Q Ideas, an organization helping people influence culture. She also started Q Women, which emboldens women to live out their unique calling. In this session, we talk about her struggle to listen to her own heart, talk about friendship, and finding the hidden treasures of life right in our own front yard. (music) 
what I would be, I would say, working through now is a few years later, you know, five years later or 20 years into marriage, this kind of re-identifying my role in all these areas, whether it's, you know, a daughter of God, a wife of Gabe, a mother of Cade Pearson Kennedy, um, someone who's now not a gypsy. <laughs> I felt like we moved six times in about seven years. Someone who's going to like put tent pegs in Franklin, Tennessee, who has decided like permanence is good. And I would say like my nature is kind of more to run um, because there's always kind of something exciting around the bend. And Gabe and I have always been ones who are willing to risk and to rally um, to do something that doesn't make sense. Um, but sometimes the hardest things for me is to do the things that that absolutely do make sense. Yeah. Um, I kind of like to pride myself as a four or the outlier, <laughs> the need to be unique yeah. um, in the Enneagram. And I think, um, so the wound that I'm working through right now is feeling like there is collateral damage when you say yes to something because you are still saying no to something else. Mm. And... Um, when we got to Nashville about three years ago from New York City, you know, our kids, when we moved to, to Manhattan, were four, seven, and nine. And so they went through elementary there. So those are some very formative years for them. And I don't think we saw, like, I don't think I saw, like, the full effects of that even in during that time. I think it's more now that they're, like, older and— just walking through adolescence, like through puberty and high school. And, and I think, you know, we are absolutely where we're supposed to be. And what the real stretch for me is just really um, kind of take an inventory. This is, this is what it is. It's taking inventory to what matters most to the heart of God. And when I do that, and I do that in like this, like this, this secret place, and I listen for that, that still small voice, he says like, your role at home is most important. Hmm. And so it's been convicting and beautiful. And it's actually, and honestly, in the last few months, I would say, it has literally changed my desires. Because I've prayed that. I would love to say, like, out of nobility, I'm going to just go home and love my family. You know, I have this Mother Teresa quote on my wall that's, like, literally um, four, like, four by eight feet. It's like, takes up our whole wall. And she says, if you want to bring happiness to the whole world, you go home and love your family. Yes. And I intentionally put that on my wall, um, gifted by my friend Tiffany. She founded House of Belonging. She's such a beautiful soul. And I put that on my wall when we got to Franklin because I wanted that to be like the mandate and the mantra that I would see when I would get on a plane once a week that would make me want to hurry home. Um, and, but I think you can want that because you think it's like the right thing to want. But that's not enough for me. Like if it's not sincere and it's not real, then we're wasting everyone's time. And so I asked God, you know, really in the last year, I just said, I just want your desires. I know what your desires are, but I want those to be mine. And I can honestly say, like, it's been 12 months and probably longer, but two years ago, my word for the year 
which began in 2011. It was rescue, then retreat, then light, then open. But in 2016, it was um, establish. And in, in so many ways, it, was, it really was reestablish. Like reestablish, it's never too late in life to reestablish what you want your life to look like and mm. what you want to be about. And so it was almost like this marriage of calling and career and vocation and motherhood and wifehood and friend. You know, I think even the Lord's convicted me in the last year going like, if you need consistent friendship in your life, if you've lived in the city for three years and you wonder if like you left, if anyone would miss you, then clearly you need to be a consistent friend yourself. If you want to be a friend that has a trusted circle, then you need to be a trustworthy friend yourself, which means you probably need to stay home more and show up for people more and not kind of be this person who jumps on planes and becomes like a conversationalist of convenience, Mm. but one who actually has to like invest and serve and dig deep. And so I pray that's what's happening to me. I'm tender about it, as you can tell. Um, But what I can say is that when you ask God to give you His desires, he really, he does. Hmm. And, um, and I see that happening in my heart. Rebecca shared that the hardest things to do are the things that often make the most sense. To listen to the quiet voice of our heart is really, really difficult to listen to our deepest desires, to really examine the passions that might be emerging inside. Pay attention, even when they don't make sense. Even when those emerging passions may conflict with something that is really good. As she shared, Rebecca's current struggle came into focus. Simply this. What do you do when your heart calls you home and yet your calling calls you away? What do you do when your heart calls you to take a risk with the simpler things of life, to take a risk on being home, to go deeper into friendships in your city, to release even greater passions for our children, to trade what the public may want for what Rebecca's heart may now desire. What do you do when that quiet voice inside whispers and begins to call you home? I want to make sure that I don't miss any of it. For like, you know, when you think as parents, like we're stewarded an amount of time to kind of kind of bring these kids in and love them and champion them and just be their friend and listen to them and and at some point like they're gonna go and I think man I'm already thinking about Pierce as a senior and I can barely hold it together Mm. because I just we like our kids so much and I want and so I think, if anything, I, I take this—the reason I get tender about it is I'm sober-minded about it is because I think when I was younger as a parent, I kind of thought we had forever. Or, you know, it was like the days were so long, like the whole season mm-hmm. felt like it was going to be really long. Yeah. 
And now that, you know, they're almost 13, 15, and 17, I'm thinking, I just want to redeem the time. Like, I want to make sure that any years that were lost or I was a little checked out or, to be fair, like, getting a little too full of myself, like, on the road or feeling like I was really doing all these amazing things, speaking in front of all these people. And while I'm not minimizing, like, I love, I'm so grateful um, to be able to write words about, like, redemption and healing and wholeness. And I'm so, because that's, that's everything. Um, I want to make sure, though, that I'm, like, living that out in such a way that those who know me and see me every day that are closest to me that know that it is true in my life. Tell me about home for you and, and what that means both in the present and, um, you know, because you've had sort of different phases of home, right? right? And different homes, exactly. <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> yes. But, but it feels like that word's important. Yeah, it really is. I read The Alchemist when I was, I don't know, eight years ago, and it really resonated with me because I felt like he's searching the whole earth, right? He's wandering the world looking for this buried treasure. And um, as many of us know who've read the book, he finds it buried under the tree and in front of his home. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of feel like Santiago. Or is that his name? I think that's his I name. I forget the name, but yes. I think that's, I feel like, yes, you are my person because, you know, I was raised in, in Florida and I went away 15 hours to college in Virginia and then kind of met the love of my life. And then we landed in Atlanta and then we were in New York and now Nashville. And, and I think I read, uh, I have a dear friend who just wrote a book that's coming out soon and um, talks, talking about this idea of home. And really what home to me is, is togetherness and belonging. It's hmm. a good definition. Right? I just heard that because I, I was writing her forward. And I read it on a plane, of course, because I'm always on a plane, feels like when I'm reading. And I just started sobbing. Because I think home is so layered, right? Because we we have our upbringing version of it, you know, our adolescent view of it. Um, even as kids, it's been so sweet to have like just conversations with my mom and my dad, you know, and kind of hear their vantage point now. Because now that I'm a mom of, <laughs> of, of teens, and I can only remember my vantage point as a yes. teen, but then hearing like their heartache, you know, when I was a teen. And all of a sudden having so much empathy for them going like, you're right, I did do that to you and I'm so sorry and now I'm on the other side of it. (laughs) Um, It's almost like I feel like our whole life we're looking to recover or reconcile this idea of home. Whether it's like early trauma or just um, maybe emotional abandonment or, you know, whatever that looks like. We're kind of, we've got the rest of our days to to get healthy in some ways so that we can um, give a gift to our our next generation, our children, that is, is a better version of than maybe what we thought we could offer. You know, I think that's what hope is. That's what that's what life and healing is, is that is this is like res- this rebellious hope that home can actually be more than what we thought. And the 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 despair of home 
and, and this has hit me very closely, the despair is that relationships may not ever be reconciled in the ways that we wanted, which causes us to shut down a little, right? It causes us to kind of really grieve for a relationship that may never be. Um, that's probably my darker days, but What is the relationship there for you? Like, is it with the kids? Is it with your family of origin? Yeah, it it's, I think it's, it's several. Mm-hmm. It's several places. And that, because it's people you love, right, then those become places of deep pain. But what I'm really grateful for, though, in, even in the middle of pain, there's a song that came out this fall by the belonging, a church in our town, and, the, and it's called You're Not Finished Yet. And I probably played that song like, I don't know, a hundred times. And it literally is just this anthem that like, this is not the end of this narrative, or this is not the end of this relationship. This is not the end of your story, no matter like what it looks like in this moment. And you can't control the other person, but you can you can actually participate in the hope that you can carry. Clearly this word home taps a deep and tender place inside of Rebecca. That perhaps the things that she's processing right now aren't just solely about raising kids or motherhood or speaking or writing books, but a need that was planted a long time ago inside of her. Maybe for Rebecca, that word home is just a place of togetherness and belonging where she can feel safe and accepted. Isn't that what we all truly want? That the love and belonging that we often search for is not out there but right in front of us. And yet the reality for many of us, this word home doesn't represent a place of love, but a place of confusion and pain. That home represents this deep ache, this deep longing for love that we never really found, a belonging that never came to be. But we don't have to be afraid of building a place an environment where we feel like ourselves. We don't have to be afraid of rich community, and deep relationship. And, and instead of searching for a home in our calling and doing and building something big, we can discover that the treasure is buried right in our own front yard. And just like the book, The Alchemist, instead of searching the whole earth and wandering the world, searching for the buried treasure, we find to our surprise it is buried under the tree in our front yard. That togetherness and belonging are right here if we want it. Do you feel like there's a, con- a conflict there for you just as you, like, there's a desire to 
and an op- not only desire, but you have an opportunity to hop on a plane or to yeah, go. Yeah, right. But there's also this, this sense in your story right now that it's just so obvious that the treasure for you is, is under the tree. Right, for sure. And so how are you, how are you processing that? Yes. You know what's changed more than anything is less on like what it looks like on the outside but for me, what's changed like 100% is the motive behind mm. it. You know, I think when I was first getting like speaking requests or getting people saying like, oh, this message resonates with us or whatever, it really felt great, you mm. know? The validation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I write about a little bit in the beginning of You Are Free in this chapter called Free to Confess is when I was realizing that all this acclaim from people who do not know me at all. <laughs> um, claim from complete strangers. Yeah, like, from a distance, she seems pretty great. <laughs> but um, I realized that, like, when that, like, affirmation rose, then my spirits would rise. You know, mm. it was kind of like my worth was contingent on what other people thought. Yeah. And God made it really clear early on when I would, like, check social media stats and, like, look at my book reviews and all these things. Um, he just looked at me and he said, you know what, Rebecca, public affection cannot heal private rejection. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, like, how much people like you. It's actually not going to heal your heart. And he showed me that day, this was a few years back, that I was operating from a wound and that, that this new call— would just be a prettier version of striving. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't mean that I was actually whole or healed. I was just, like, channeling it in a Christian clothes. And um, and so I had to really um, come back to the root of that wound, is that I was operating from a broken heart that had kind of, I think, I had carried through a lot of my life, mm. quite frankly. Um, it probably rooted, I would say, like, early grade school. You know, I was the firstborn of three girls. I was much, uh, I have an older brother adopted. But um, I definitely took on that firstborn personality that just really wanted to impress, to be, kind of be the star student, you know. Mm. I wanted validation, and it seemed like I got it when I did do well, when I achieved at things, when I, um, and so I kind of look back and go like, wow, I wasn't, I legit was a performer. Like I was the drum major my junior and senior year, over like 80 people in the high school band. And, you know, nerdy as it was, like it still was like, it was my thing. <laughs> and, and validation was coming through it. It was. I mean, I have a lot of tro- trophies to show for it. <laughs> you know, there's just this sense of like, we find our worth in what we do um, sometimes. And for me, that's what that had looked like. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, because when you were talking about, um, I, think you, I think you use this phrase, just a mother or just a wife. Mm-hmm. That, and then there is this, this book thing that happened. Yeah. And so, and it, with the, the validation wound, if it's still there, like this is, and you feel like, hey, well, this isn't really, I'm just supporting Gabe. I'm just yeah. raising kids. Yeah. Like that's not, you know. Yeah. No, but unfortunately, we should validate mothers in <laughs> right. an incredible For way, sure. but it's probably not happening. For sure. And then you move into this validation, and yet you felt like the wound didn't get even healed when, yeah. with the praise or with the accolades. Right. That's when you come to terms with yeah. 
like you you literally just operating with a broken heart. And I I really do think in these last couple of years, um, I think healing is a journey, like we know, and it's like the slow and steady process of handing things over mm-hmm. or laying things down. And so even laying down this identity now as career girl or like travel girl or writer or speaker or whatever, um, anytime my identity is attached to that thing, um, it's still not this full version of kind of this, this daughter of God who he lavishes. I remember one day going to God, kind of one of my, I'm a mess days, like where I felt like just kind of unraveling. And I just remember saying, you know what you're working with here. <laughs> you see, you see what's, you see the uh, crazy brain behind all this. And I said, I'm, I'm afraid that like, I'm just such a mess. I'll thwart your, your plans and purposes for me, which is so funny even coming out. I'm embarrassed to say it. And I remember I was at yoga and I was on the mat and I'm like having this internal dialogue with God. And he says, what if your purpose is for me to love you? Like plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Like it never has been about what you bring. It's about who you are. It's never been about what you bring. It's about who you are. And you are loved and valuable. And your life matters just as it is. And yet it's so easy for our calling to get knotted up inside of our pain and brokenness. But on the outside, you know, the calling looks and feels so noble and so pure and so good. But in fact, if we looked closer, we see that our calling is just our desire to fill the affirmation wound that we've been carrying all of our life. Man, I know I've been there. And these noble things and helpful things unfortunately become a twisted and broken strategy to be loved and wanted, to feel like we are home. And for Rebecca, and perhaps even for you right now, what would it look like to pause or readjust or even lay down the current calling in order to pick up the thing your heart truly desires? want to paint this glossy picture like home is only possible in the rolling hills of Tennessee because we all know <laughs> that that's not true. I think home is wherever God is. Um, but I do believe that because He is our home, He He wants to cultivate for us places of safety and togetherness and belonging like the Garden yeah. of Eden, right? Like he He knows what He's put in us that we really intrinsically need to feel like we are at home with Him and with the people He's brought around us. And so I guess I'm still working this out, but my my hope and prayer is that a lot of us as adults who are letting life kind of just literally, we, we're, it's almost our lives are owning us. We're not, we're kind of just kind of flailing, trying to keep up. Um, I think we could all just pause to proactively take inventory and go like, what do I really want? And 
Am I setting things up and saying yes and no to the things that are going to allow for that to actually happen? should make sure to check out Rebecca's books, Free Fall to Fly, and her newest, You Are Free. They're available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. You're going to love these. She just is a wonderful writer and uh, talks so honestly and openly about her own struggles. And I think you'll find so much encouragement in those books. Uh, You can also check out her website at RebeccaLyons.com. And if you are enjoying Fun Therapy, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on a rating on iTunes. Tell your friends we got some amazing episodes coming up in season two. If you want to connect with me, Mike Foster, uh, I'm on Instagram. I use Instagram mostly, but on Twitter and Facebook and those other social media places too. But uh, Uh, Follow me on Instagram at MikeFoster2000. Again, that's my name, Mike Foster, and the number 2000 on Instagram. And you can also hop on over to my websites at MikeFoster.tv or SecondChance.org. And don't forget about my workshop, Rescue Academy. It's coming up and it will sell out. And I want you to come and hang with me. And I want you to have dinner at my house. And it's going to be so fun. So um, make sure to register at RescueAcademy.com. I want to say thanks to Sleeping At Last for providing the beautiful music for this episode, sleepingatlast.com. All of his music's on, available also on iTunes. Fun Therapy is a proud member of the Relevant Podcast Network. And for more shows, great shows, man, they've got some really great new podcasts uh, in the works and that have just been released. Make sure to check out Relevant Podcast Network. Check it out at re- relevantmagazine.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Keep the emails and the tweets and the reviews coming. And remember, no matter what has happened in your story, that your setbacks can become your superpowers. And honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast. Relevant Podcast Network.